Welcome to Wyoming Valley Church's podcast with Pastor Todd Walker. We've been doing this series of podcasts called Sermon Extras, and we would like to continue that today. In our sermon series on Sundays, we've been going through the book of 1 John for the last several weeks, and we titled our series Loved to Love, because this idea of love comes up in 1 John so often, and John wants to cement it in our minds how important it is to walk in love. And he often equates walking in love with walking in the light or following Jesus Christ. And so we were in the chapter 2 this past Sunday looking at verses 7 to 11. And we looked and spent all of our time on this one idea of this reformed, new, amended, improved type of love that Jesus came to teach us. When Jesus came to this earth, he came for a couple reasons. The first one and the most important one, of course, was to yield up his life so that we might find salvation and forgiveness. But he also came to teach and to guide and to be our good shepherd. And one of the things he needs to do when he shepherds us is teach us the way to go. And the most important thing we need to learn from Jesus is how to love. And Jesus said in John 13 that we need to love the way that he has loved us. And this idea that Jesus came to show us was much different than uh, many of the Pharisees and people like that understood from love from the Old Testament because they thought it was a lot, it was a lot of thou shalt nots. Just avoid a bunch of things and you're obedient. And that's when Jesus felt like he needed to step off his throne and come and teach us the right way to love because love is not just defense. It's most profoundly offense. It's purposeful. It's edifying. It's sacrificial. It's looking for the needs of those around us and then meeting those needs by God's strength. The thing I want to focus on today is this idea that comes up in 1 John 2, verses 8. And I want to read the verse and lay something before us today. It says this in verse 8, At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. We mentioned on Sunday how this verse is sort of mentioning that it seems like darkness is winning in our world. And if that was true in John's day, it is is much more true in our day and age. If you read the newspapers or watch the media, it seems like darkness is gaining and winning. And the light is just sort of gone from this world. Uh, Everybody is living in hatred. Everybody has their own agenda. And everyone is just so divisive. And it looks and appears that way that darkness is actually winning and getting worse. But it's like the old adage that the dawn comes right after the darkest part of the night. And that's really what John is trying to tell us today, that the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The dawn is here. The dawn is coming. The dawn is only moments away if you have the right perspective. And so you and I can't get sidetracked by thinking that the darkness is winning and therefore there's nothing to be done. Because John says love is what wins the battle. And so I want to focus today upon this one thing, and it's, it's an eternal regret. Because I think that's kind of what John is bringing out of this passage as well, is that you and I cannot neglect to love the way that Christ has loved us, because it's the most important thing you and I can do. And there's a few characters I thought about in Scripture when I thought about this idea of regret. Um, the first one that came to my mind was, of course, Judas in the New Testament. Judas is the person who gave up Jesus Christ and uh, gave him up for 30 pieces of silver to the authorities. And so Jesus could get arrested and stand trial and eventually be crucified. 
And if you continue reading through the life of Judas, right at the end of his life, he faces this regret. And we're not sure why it is. We're not sure if he's just so overcome with the fact that Jesus is innocent and he's just done this horrible deed, or if, again, he's just continuing to seek and serve himself. But Judas actually takes the money that he got for, for giving up Jesus and actually throws it back at the people who gave it to him and said, I don't want it. And you can tell that Judas is filled with regret for what he had done. But by that time, unfortunately, it had already been too late. The deed was already done. Jesus is on his way to be crucified. And Judas actually went out and, and killed himself. So he was one of the first people I thought of when I thought of this idea of regret. But I couldn't help think of another character from the Old Testament. His name is Esau. Esau had this brother Jacob. And they, they both uh, were sort of struggling, jockeying for position for this birthright that could only come from their father. And so the birthright legally was was to Esau. He was the firstborn. He was the one that was supposed to get it. But uh, his brother Jacob was sort of an opportunistic person. And uh, when uh, there's this one scene in the Old Testament where Jacob is cooking, he's cooking this, this wonderful soup. And Esau comes in from a long day in the fields. And Jacob knew exactly what he was doing because he wanted that birthright. And so Esau came in from the fields and was really hungry and wanted some food. And so he smelled the soup and, and told Jacob, Jacob, can I have some of that soup? And Jacob's like, well, I'll give you the soup if you give me the birthright. And Esau didn't have a clear mind at that point. He just was thinking about his fleshly needs for food. And so he actually made the trade with Jacob to give up his birthright so that he could have the soup. And Jacob, again, knew exactly what he was doing. But once Esau came to the clarity of mind and realized what he had done, he immediately regretted that and, and wanted to reverse things. And actually, he ends up trying to kill his brother. And Esau just made a train wreck of his life because of one bad momentary decision. So that was another character who definitely faced regret. But the one I really want to focus on today actually comes from a story that Jesus shared in Luke chapter 16. And the title of the story, at least in my Bible, is The Rich Man and Lazarus. Jesus often spoke in parables. He often told stories to illustrate a truth. And I think that's what he's doing here in Luke 16. He's illustrating the truth about how important it is to walk in love. And so he illustrates it by these two different characters. There's a rich man, and we never really learn this rich man's name. He's just called the rich man. And then there's a poor man, and his name, we're told, is Lazarus. And so in this scene, this rich man is, is living in splendor. He's He's clothed in purple, he in fine linen, he's eating sumptuously every day, and he's really rich and comfortable and has a good life. But at his gate every single day is laid this poor man named Lazarus, and Lazarus is on the other spectrum. He's poor, he desires to be uh, fed with what fell from the rich man's table, he's covered with sores. It says even the dogs are coming and licking his sores. I mean, this man is living a miserable life. So you have these two guys on polar sides of the spectrum. You have Lazarus, who's very, very poor and struggling, and you have the rich man who's living in splendor. And so these two are brought together because the poor man, Lazarus, is laid at the gate of Lazarus every single day. And the reason he's doing that is because he wants to find the scraps that fall from the rich man's table. And he's just that hungry. He's just willing to take any sort of crumb that he can find. And so you have to sort of assume a few things when reading this tale because not everything is laid out for us. So you have to assume when reading this tale that the rich man is passing by Lazarus many times a week because he's laid right at his gate. And so he's looking at Lazarus. He's seen Lazarus' condition. 
And it doesn't say that he was mean to him or yelled at him or made fun of him or anything. It just seems to say that the rich man neglected Lazarus. He just didn't pay attention to his needs. He didn't care for him. He didn't invite him in and have a meal. He didn't care for his wounds. He didn't give him any money or a place to stay. He just went on with his life. Okay, so that's kind of the stage. The stage is set that way. What actually happens in this story, and I don't think this story actually happened, but Jesus is illustrating something here. He says in verse 22 that the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. And then it says the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. So the two guys die in this story and, and the rich man goes to Hades and the poor man goes up to Abraham's side, which is a temporary heaven. And uh, just wait, it's kind of like the scenes are flip-flopped here, that the rich man was living in splendor, and all of a sudden he finds himself in Hades, in torment. And the poor man was suffering with sores, and he was you know, sick and didn't have anything to eat, and all of a sudden the end comes and his situation is completely reversed. He finds himself living in eternal splendor. And so actually what, what transpires here is so intriguing because it says in verse 24 that the, the rich man, at least he was rich on earth, calls out to Father Abraham and says, Have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool his tongue, for he's in anguish in this flame. And Abraham says to him, Child, remember that in your lifetime you received the good things and in Lazarus in like manner the bad things. But now he's comforted and you are in anguish. And he says, besides this, between us and you, there's a great chasm that has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. As if to tell the rich man, everything's reversed. You were living in splendor. You were rich. You were comfortable. And now the kingdom of God reverses everything. And the poor is now rich. And the rich is now poor and suffering. And I don't think that this is teaching us a doctrine that all poor people go to heaven and all rich people go to hell. What I think it's teaching about it is, is love or the neglect to show love because the rich man seemingly made no attempt to help Lazarus while he was on earth. He just neglected him. He had his own agenda. He had his own schedule. He had a lot of different things he had to do. And he was more concerned with his own life than helping Lazarus. But on the other side, when everything is reversed, it's so interesting he honestly knows who Lazarus is because while he's in Hades, he looks up and sees Lazarus at the side of Abraham and asks Abraham to talk to Lazarus and convince him to bring him some water to put on his tongue because he's in anguish. Do you see how the scenes are completely reversed there? And now the rich man is longing for some help. And Abraham unfortunately tells him, listen, it's over. This is permanent. You were placed in Hades. The Lazarus is placed in, near my side, you know, in this heaven paradise uh, forever. And there's a great chasm and no one will go from here to there or there to here. This is permanent. And really what Jesus is teaching in this story is the idea of how important it is to show love. Because the rich man did not take time for Lazarus. He neglected him. He wasn't cruel. He wasn't mean. He wasn't making fun of him that we know. He just neglected love. And that's really what John is trying to teach us in the book of 1 John, is how important it is to show purposeful, on the offense, edifying, strengthening type of love. 
that it's not good enough to just not be cruel. It's not good enough to just not be mean. You and I need to make it a habit of our lives to show love to one another. Because on the last day, love is going to be the great separator. If you and I walked in love, we clearly were following Jesus Christ. We were of the light, as John says. But if we didn't walk in love, we were of the darkness and we didn't follow Jesus Christ. And if you and I don't follow Christ, and that's the characteristic of our life, we will find ourselves similar to the rich man here, in torment, in anguish, wishing that we had lived differently, lived filled with eternal regret. And John doesn't want that for us. He's telling this to us so that we don't have to have that regret. Because there will be an eternal regret seemingly for thousands and countless of people on the other side who neglected to show love. And that's how important it is to love one another. And John seems to say to us, listen, the darkness is passing away. The true light is already shining. As if to say, you don't have long. The dawn is almost here. Don't spend your life in your own agenda. Don't neglect to show love. Don't be so busy and running about that you forget about the needs of those around you because you'll be like the rich man then. And I think for you and I here in America, no one is more in danger of becoming this rich man than you and I because we live in pretty pretty much comfort and ease. We have a lot of you know modern day things. We have a lot of, even those who really aren't rich in America still have a lot of riches and things of comfort. And sadly, that can help us neglect the poor because we get so focused on what we're doing. And I don't think many people who are going to be listening to this podcast are people who are overly cruel and trying to be hurtful and harmful to those around them. But we might be people who simply neglect to love. And John wants us to know that we cannot do that because that is darkness. We cannot neglect to love because it is darkness. And the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The darkness is going to lose The light is going to win, and only those who are walking in the light are those who are going to be eternally secure in Christ. So we can't neglect to love. It's the most important thing you and I can do with our days. We cannot be like the rich man and just say we're too busy, or we don't have enough time, or we'll wait for a better season, or whoops, I just forgot. That's not good enough, because love is the most important reason that we're here. To love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. There's no excuse in the book good enough to say we forgot or neglected to love because it's everything. It's the reason we wake up each day. It's the reason God gets us out of bed each day. It's the reason he sustains us by his grace and his mercy so that you and I can be loving, can be vessels of usefulness for the kingdom of God. And you and I do not want to live with eternal regret like the rich man. The rich man, I'm sure, had a lot of coulda, shoulda, woulda at the end. But it was too late. It was permanent by that point. And you and I, although the dawn is coming, we still have time because we're listening to this today. We're hearing this today. And that means we still have a choice. We still have a chance to change things if we're not walking in love today. And really the idea of love is just, it's not good enough to just not be cruel. It's not good enough to just not be mean. It's not even good enough to just be generally nice to people. Really the kind of love Jesus wants us to show the people around us is the love he showed us, which had a high cost to it. It was full of sacrifice. It was full of endurance. It was full of faithfulness. 
It was always turning the other cheek and going the extra mile and seeking out the needs of those around us. And Jesus was exhausted so much from ministry, but it never thwarted him from showing love. And so you and I must remember today that we must walk in love. We cannot and we should not be filled with an eternal regret on the last day. And the only reason we would be is because we've turned this message off and we've gone back to our lives and we've been like the rich man who neglected Lazarus at his gate. See the needs, find the needs around you and meet those needs by God's strength so that we don't have to have eternal regret. We can have eternal glory instead because Jesus showed that love to us first and he wants us to show that love to others. I pray that you listen to this today and walk in love. Blessings to you. Thanks for listening to the Wyoming Valley Church Podcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. We're located in the Dolphin Plaza on Highway 315 in Wilkesbury. Learn more about us at wyomingvalleychurch.org. Wyoming Valley Church, a place where all are welcome.